where nobody knows your name is filmed in front of a grand total of zero people. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. What, what, what kind of podcast is this, James? About Cheers, isn't it, John? Cheers podcast. Yeah. Season 2. Episode 5. Sumner's Return. 3rd of November, 1983. Yeah. Quite a callback this episode. Episode 1, Season 1. I'm surprised that it took so long for him to return. It did take a while, but we got there. I suppose it wasn't that long. A season. Yeah. Directed by Jimmy B. James Burroughs and written by Michael J. Winthorne. Winthorne? Wythorn. Wythorn. I looked at how to pronounce it and there are a few options. Mickey J. I believe this is his first time writing. Yes, it is. And it was a, a nice episode. Clearly, he had watched the previous episodes and it really sort of built a nice sort of segment on top of it. Yeah. And we begin with the cold opening. Well, it really just sets up the episode, doesn't it? Sonner enters Cheers. Coach doesn't remember him. And he explains to the coach that a mutual friend told him that Diane works at Cheers now. Carter sees Sumner and insults him. And coach thinks that she's insulting coach until Sumner stated that he can't defend his actions. What I do love about this cold opening is how Sumner first meets coach. I love how coach doesn't know who he is. Because, <laughs> uh, because I think, I'm not sure if anyone else would have remembered him. No one should have. They've met him once, and he was kind of there, and then he was there for like five minutes to leave yeah. Diane, and left her. But it's kind of his arrogance to come into the bar, yeah. and it's like, oh, you probably didn't expect to see me here. And I love that Coach was like, who are you? <laughs> um, and I really like that. I feel in Sumner's eyes, Coach was quite rude to him. Yeah. Like when he said... Over dinner last night, a mutual friend of ours informed me that Diane works here. Is that correct? Gee, I don't know. I wasn't at the dinner. When they put Coach in these scenarios of people who feel like they have authority, <laughs> Coach's ignorance to them is just brilliant. Yeah, they just like they just don't weren't ready for that. Yeah. As we move into the main episode, then we get a conversation between Diane and Sumner again. Diane's quite civil, I think. I think she should have shown him the door. It's it's a, it's a weird one. Like I don't I don't get the appeal of going for a meal with with that setup. I can't think of any way that could go well. I was engaged to you. Do you want to meet the person I married and left you for and we can have dinner together? I'm sure it'll be fine. You've heard of Three's Company? <laughs> it sounds like the worst episode of Three's Company. Oh, I, I thought you meant the saying Three's Company. No, the t- telly what, show. What's the telly show? Come and knock at your door. I was more looking for like a brief synopsis than than like a theme song. I'm guessing it is a couple and one extra person. Yeah, Yeah. they're just being good gooseberry. (laughs) John recently told me that the phrase gooseberry means like a third wheel, and now I will never say it the same way. This is the first time we dropped in conversation, quite confidently as well. Um, I'm still not used to it. Now you're pro at using it. (laughs) Yeah, so in this episode, Diane was kind of invited to be a gooseberry, a third wheel, an add-on. Would you like um, to join this bicycle and make it a tricycle? And Sumner does ask Diane whether she's seeing anyone. She says no. She lies, John. She lies. She sits on a throne of lies. The, the fork in the road for Diane and uh, Sam when uh, Sam finds out. Because uh, he's a bit offended. He thinks that Diane is ashamed of him. You would think that Diane would want Sam there to make her feel better. Yes, it's a very strange interaction from Diane. Again, I'm not sure the motivation behind her. And that's never really established what her motivation was. I mean, it established what... Sumner's was. Yeah. But there was no reason for Diane to want to go for a meal with him. No, no. Sam tries. He knows that he's not necessarily as well-read as Sumner and Diane, so he makes the effort by reading War and Peace. He reads this via Cliff's advice. Yeah. Because Cliff kind of makes him feel a bit self-conscious about going for dinner with them. Yeah. And says that he needs to swat up on the most intelligent book, I think. 
<laughs> which he identifies as War and Peace. It's a heavy book. Have you read I, it? I'd use those as a doorstop ones. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm definitely the Sam yeah, in this yeah, situation. You're up there with the best. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't actually go. I've never owned it. So. <laughs> Sam reads all of it, and I think he understands it as well. I think he understands it well enough to talk about it. Which is a shame, because uh, someone says... Please, I taught a Tolstoy seminar for six years. I vowed never to discuss him again. It is the most overanalyzed novel ever written. <laughs> they go out for dinner. Coincidentally, apparently she can't make it because she's ill. It's probably a lie. If you were summoner now and you were going out for dinner with Sam and Diane, maybe you should just cancel. Yeah. Unless he's trying to like flex some knowledge and like drop some knowledge bombs. Maybe to make himself look better than Sam. War and peace? Pfft, you mean just a doorstop? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Please, I read in search of lost time. What's that? It's Marcel Proust's. It was charge de temps perdu. Mm, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it's I thought. Five times the length of War and Peace. What this does do, though, because Sam's read this book pretty much non-stop for five days, he becomes a bit sort of delirious. Delirious, that's the word, yeah. He seems a little drunk, almost, doesn't he? He's got a little stubble on. I wish we got to see this uh, meal. I think that's one thing so far where whenever characters go out for a meal, we always see the aftermath when they come for a drink afterwards. Yeah. Hopefully one day we'll see the actual meal. I'm well, sure we will. It's like Reservoir Dogs. You don't see the robbery. <laughs> <laughs> you get to see the aftermath. You don't see. Yeah, you see them planning it, and you see the aftermath, but you don't actually see the robbery. And that, that, that's exactly what this uh, scenario was. We we didn't see the actual date. Sure, did see the aftermath. Yeah. Sumner revealing his intent, I guess, and his intent was to get Diane back. Diane says, uh, "Sumner, let's cut the crap." Cut the crap. What have they done to you in this place? It really establishes that Diane has moved on. You know? yeah. She's more part of the bar and this world than her yeah. previous life. And I think this was a big step forward in showing that. By the end of the episode, she's aware and has rejected, I guess, her old self, I guess. Yeah. And has shown her moving on. Obviously dealt with the themes of that class divide, as well as reputation that you have in various social circles. It was good to see Michael Maguire back as Somner Sloan. It was interesting to see the differences of when Diane entered the bar with Somner in the first episode, the relationship that those two had compared to the relationship which she has with Sam now. Because one of the first things that we see Sam and Diane do in the episode is they come into the bar and they're fighting each other with water pistols. Got to see some interesting things in this episode. We got to see Norm appearing in something other than a jacket and tie. It was in Casuals. It was in Casuals? Yeah, when they came back from the baseball game. Oh, yeah, of course. Norman and Cliff went to see a baseball game. Cliff wasn't in his uniform. Weird, wasn't it? The first time we saw Norm not wearing his uniform was in Friends, Romans and Accountants. Toga. That's a good job he didn't wear the toga today, because that that wasn't a good look. It wasn't great. No, can't can't wear that to a baseball game. I mean, you could, but... But it's interesting you talk about that class divide as well because Norm and Cliff are sitting at the bar and they smell smell nice food cooking upstairs and they go yeah I wonder what it is Norm well that would be cream of watercress soup coach followed by baked mussels lightly coated with tarragon butter and topped off by a fine raspberry tart you can identify the dishes you know bloodhound so then they just start eating cheese doodles and I thought that was quite interesting, particularly when Coach identified the expiry date by taste. 
No, I think there's been some really nice dynamics with Cliff and uh, Norm this season so far. Yeah. There was no no catch up on uh, Norm's situation with Vera though. So that's the doorbell, James. It's it that is. time of the week already. Yeah, Cliff from his baseball game. Should we kick it off with a question, James? At the baseball game, Cliff and Norm said they kept being asked to move seats, and in the end, they just sort of gave up and came to the bar. Why were they uh, kept being kicked out of their seats? They took their shirts off to get some sun. Yeah. And were told that the glare of Norm's alabaster skin was distracting the batters. It was blinding them. It was. Oh, the light. One of my questions. What does coach suggest to Sam to talk about in order to appear smarter than the three Dianes? Namely, Sumner, Diane, and Barbara. What would coach suggest? Uh... What coach suggests is that Sam talk about something that he knows the others know nothing about. But baseball? Even more obscure, he suggests to Sam that Sam talk about his own apartment. I mean, the the principle of the idea is not bad. Yeah. It, it just went too niche with it, I think. Yeah. Talk about something that they didn't know. That's a good one. Yeah, we do that often. When uh, Sam's reading War and Peace, yeah. he uh, is reading it in his office, and someone's opening the door, and he quickly grabs something to cover the book with. What does he grab? He grabs the... August 1983 edition of Playboy with Sybil Danning on the cover. You just knew that, James. <laughs> Back issues, John. What is cooking at Melville's? I can't remember what kind of restaurant it is. I want to say it's like a, a seafood one. Seafood. It's a three-course meal. First is cream of watercress soup, baked mussels lightly coated with tarragon butter. That's definitely got a smell. That sounds pretty good, though. That sounds delightful. And for dessert, a fine raspberry tart. Sounds pretty good. It does sound good. Imagine it's expensive these days. I don't think it'd be too bad. How much would you think it would cost in dollar pounds? Oh, I can't compare it to dollar. <laughs> dollar pounds is the currency we use. <laughs> Nobody knows your name. Well, we mean dollars, but we say pounds and we don't know what each equates to. I'd think 40, 50 dollar pounds. You think? If you got that, maybe with some wine. 40 to 50 dollar pounds. Yeah, dollar pounds. Yeah. <laughs> My final question to you, James. How many pages are there in the first edition published of War and Peace? 2,000? 1,225. As we approach the end of the episode, James, and we have our last call of the bar. Yeah. How are we feeling? This was a literature-heavy episode. It was a literature-heavy episode. I feel that we've read deep into this episode. Oh. Puns. It was a page-turning adventure. Page-turning, that's it. I'm not going to live up to these. What I will say, it was nice to see Sam reading a book. <laughs> Diane appreciated it a lot. Yeah. And I think that was one of the, the big takeaways from it, was when he said... Damn. I'll tell you something else, too. Before I read War and Peace again in five days, just to impress some broad... It's going to be a cold day in Minsk. And Diane realises that he went through a lot of effort to read that for her. Yeah. Yeah. As, as you said, James, it's a, it was a page-turner. I think fundamentally we were asking how this episode would end. Would it end in war or would it end in peace? That was deep. Yeah. And for now, then we got some peace. It's been a good episode and thank you for listening. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name. Mm-hmm.